0: Welcome back to the Snack Walls podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. I'm gonna throw it over to our special guest today in a few sentences, tell us who you are and what it is you do.
1: Okay, my name's Kevin Withane. I'm the Senior Legal Director for North American, Asia Pacific and um, also the Group Ethics and Compliance Director at TI Fluid Systems. That's my day job, um, which involves a lot of dealing with some of the issues you've been talking about. But additionally, um, I offer pro bono services to companies to help companies who really want to... Um, Build a diversity, equity, and inclusion program to get started, or actually just look at what they've done and 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 make the tweaks necessary to try and get the real benefits for them from diversity and inclusion. And additionally, I've just launched a, a podcast on human leadership and purpose. So yeah, I like it. a few things. I
0: like it. So I'm hearing from some leaders in uh, tech that finding diverse talent is a challenge. So what are your thoughts about that?
1: Okay so I the industry I'm in is automotive um which is now expanding you you see the OEMs themselves buying and into tech uh and typically I've heard that excuse about engineers there's not enough engineers of color there's not enough engineers that are women really are you not looking in the right places uh, are you going to the right schools? You tend to focus on this school because this is where you've traditionally gone and you keep going there. Are you going to the black universities, the black schools and colleges? Because they have programs which are engineering and things like that or or tech, um, tech-driven tech programs. So why aren't you in there? Oh, it's uncomfortable. I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's, it's widening your horizon. That's the point of diversity is to actually you know there's a saying um think outside the box uh i i I believe it's not think outside the box anymore it's think that the box isn't there there is no box it's not just being outside it's you've got this whole space to play in
0: i like that you got a lot of space to run so you might as well take advantage of it right i think it's very limiting when people only go through these specific pipelines yeah. they're self-limiting and to your point it's like maybe you're not looking at all the places that you should be looking you know
1: yeah and i'm excited about the potential of um working remotely now really yeah. truly being you know this is this social global experiment as it were because of covid i think is proving that it's possible yeah it's not perfect but then an office environment also has its drawbacks it's not necessarily the perfect environment either uh which is why remote working started coming about anyway um and i think with that the pipeline can be open because you're not limited to a geographic area you yeah. know of being close enough to the get into the office you could you could be recruiting anywhere as long as the need to actually be in on a regular basis isn't really there it doesn't really matter where the person is and therefore look widely. Do you think that an apprenticeship pattern
0: would work for tech roles?
1: Yeah, I do. I think um, tech companies and uh, and and the companies around the, the tech industry, they need to be looking really early on into school programming, both good uh, private schools, but also throw resources at public schools. That's where the vast majority of students are let's face it right they're in the public school system invest in that invest your time in putting apprenticeships from a you know in england we at 14 or 15 years old we have to go and do um what we call two-week work placement work experience i I ended up working in a, a court uh for two weeks um my interest was in law and i'm pretty sure that if you have those sorts of opportunities for for students here in the us uh, where the tech industry is really centered, I think it will help. So go out, go and speak to school districts uh, where there are diverse populations that are trying to do something, that want to, to build these programs in and, and, and give them the opportunity to do it and sponsor it. It's it's not significant outlays for, for, for the size of the, 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 the tech industry itself. So why not? All it's going to do is help you. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. There's been this shift, especially
0: in the U.S., away from vocational, and, and institutions are now focused on everything's the four-year degree, the four-year mm-hmm. degree, even if it's in, like, liberal arts, and it's not even a STEM career. It's just, yeah. they would rather see someone go through, you know, a liberal arts four-year degree than get some hands on, like, skill in a specific mm-hmm. uh, domain, and to me, it just it boggles the mind that even at a very young age, like, my kid in kindergarten, they made them all wear a college t-shirt per, per class. And guess which one my kid got? Harvard. I'm like, can we set our goals a little bit more, you know, from kindergarten to Harvard? Like, let's, let's pump the brakes. I don't have Harvard kind of money right now, so yeah,
1: I, 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 that's I hear, a high bar. I hear you on that. And and in, in the U.S., I mean, with uh, the, the, the cost to go to school, it is so prohibitive. It's scary. You know, and families that are – teaching their kids, particularly those lower income to budget well, to to know what you can and you can't afford. It's hard. Like, you know, well, you're going to have to go out and get a job. Yeah. You're responsible. You're a good kid. I'm sorry, love. We don't have, we just don't, we can't afford to do this. And it's, and it's tough. You know, I was lucky. I, in the UK, it was, we can get student loans pretty easily. Um, At the time I went, I was the last year where at least in my first year I could get the government gave a grant and then, they said well your dad earns too much now so you can't any have it but right the costs weren't prohibitive that i'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life sure yeah like, like it is now is, yeah now yeah, it's, it's just insane <laughs> but your story about what they're doing at kindergarten i remember my daughter i was in shanghai um with my comp- current company uh, based out there and i my daughter was three and a half and i remember the parents were like well what should we do uh to what can we be doing to, um, help our kids get this, get into, get into the great universities at that time. I was thinking, what can I be doing to, to make sure my, my kid can get from relatively safely from like the preschool into the reception sure. year, you know, right. so my mindset was not it, right. That's the same it, thing with me. I was like, let's let's work us on, focus on
0: second grade. How about yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm always start there. So What advice um, would you share with a company that's looking to increase, uh, not just diversity, but retain diverse uh, talent and staff?
1: Okay. I think diversity, I break it up up into three things. And and maybe there's even a fourth now about justice, but um, I'm still learning a lot more about that. so, So I won't opine on that. But I think diversity itself on its own is just a mix, right? That's essentially what it means. It's a diverse group of thoughts, ideas, people based on various different, things that's actually relatively, I think, simple to address. If you do things like open up your pool, you can, you can eventually get people to come in, but actually keeping them to stay or even getting them to apply to come in is the harder thing because that is actually going down into the culture. That's where you have to give equity, you know, don't just think, okay, well, we've opened a door, go for it. You're, you're the starting base of everybody else. Well, hold on your history is what took you to get here is very, very different than somebody else, your peer coming in, you know, from a different background, maybe from the more privileged background. They haven't necessarily had to fight and claw their way just to get to the door. Uh, They've just walked up to it or somebody's literally gone. There you go. Um, So I think you need to build in the equity and it has to be genuine. It comes from the very, very, very top board, CEO, C-suite, all the way, and it has to permeate and it has to be converted talked about all the time it needs to be culture you breathe it's like taking in oxygen you don't think about it you just do and that comes with through education continually educating and these aren't going out and buying expensive off the shelf throw it on the computer courses it's actually it's not a check the box thing right no, it's not like, this is okay. the people in the organization taking time because when you do that you show that this is important when the ceo says something It's important when the chief HR officer says something important. If it's not important, if it's the most junior HR person doing the onboarding and talking about this, it doesn't come across as, oh, this is important in this organization. And I think that's a big thing. But also building in inclusion. And this is this is positive, not just for diversity, equity, and inclusion programmes itself, but just good leadership. Good leaders are inclusive leaders. So as part of your leadership training as part from your your people development make sure that they're inclusive because it doesn't ra- matter whether it's for diverse you know diversity equity and inclusion it's just good leadership yeah absolutely
0: 100% believe in it. So <clears throat> this is such a great conversation. I want to shift gears just a little bit more too. So you've been an exceptional guest. I'm wondering, is there someone like yourself that you think would you'd like to acknowledge as a leader and you think should be on this podcast and talking about the same kind of subject matter? So who, who are you a big fan of? Um,
1: there, there's so many different people, but uh, Michelle Fang, she's a general okay. counsel at Truvo. She came out. I think it was last year, maybe early the the year or late the year before. She wrote a letter, open letter to basically law firms, saying, "Get your act together. You're doing these partner promotions. Where the hell are? Okay, you're you're trying to tackle gender. Where the hell are the black people? There are black lawyers, great black lawyers. Where are they? I'm changing tact. I'm going to start working with firms that are really doing something." And she really went out there and she's been pushing it. And I think people have been. taking, following suit and trying to, trying to support that because it's important. It's important to me. Um, and it's important to many others. And we should be, we should be doing that, uh, to help, help those lawyers. And and she also introduced me to pay it forward. Love it. And pay
0: it forward is how we connected. I looked at the list. I was like, I think some of these folks might have some opinions about diversity. So I'm just going to do a reach out and see what we come up with. (laughs) And it worked. I got a massive amount of outpouring of response of people saying, I'd love to talk about it i'd love to you know come on the program and you know share my two cents and i love just listening to it because i put pull out nuggets in each conversation so um all right so we where can we find out more information about your company and this is the time for you to do any kind of like shameless plugs or you're working on okay
1: uh for, for, for myself i just i've launched a podcast cocktail leadership it's uh available now the first episode dropped at midnight today so nice. it's there it's got a great leader a good friend of mine it's really all about human leadership and a shift of the purpose of business from just shareholders towards a more all stakeholder model which includes our people um and really it's discussions around that and sharing amazing guest stories about how they've developed their leadership journey you can find it on all of Usual platforms and go to www.cocktailleadership.com. So I think you know from your side, what are you seeing? You know, being closer to the tech space than I am, um, are companies genuinely trying to do something, or is this a flavour of the month? You know, it was the Me Too movement before, then there was a a mute, a more muted Black Lives Matter movement, which sort of died down. But now, if I feel this could be the one that, that changes history. It, it feels that
0: way. And I think it's a combination of the strange feeling of living in a global pandemic at the same time mm-hmm. that I think creates that additional sort of urgency where people need a way to exercise their voice. And I think we all feel a little constrained. And so that I think is leading to more conversations. And I think more conversations will eventually get us there. But unfortunately, I think a lot of what we are hearing initially is a lot of lip service. It's, there's still a lot of resistance in the places where it makes an impact. As you, as you mentioned, the decision makers at the very top, it does start with a, you know, a strong statement and coming out and saying, you know, we think this is important, but they have to empower the people below them to begin executing. And, you know, it's one thing to say, we want to hire more folks. And then we're like, all right, great. I got some candidates for you. Yeah. We're not hiring this year, uh, you know, pandemic. So we're pumping the brakes, but, you know, next year we're going to do it. And so that's fine. I think the second issue that that I have a little bit of friction with is not having the right people at the table when decisions are being made about how should we you know allocate these these dollars to try and help out in this cause. I think sometimes it's about you know writing the big check and just tossing it over to someone saying, okay well now it's your responsibility to fix it because we donated our money and we gave to the cause and it's like no you have to do more right you get You've got to take an interest. You've got to be out in the community. You, to your point, have to show your face and say, we want to see some results. Like, like here's some money. We want to see how this makes an impact. And like, how can we be involved beyond just like, you know, spending some money? Is it is it mentorship? Is it providing opportunities to, you know, come in and create a program? So I think we have a little ways to go is, is, is where I'd say we're at right
1: now. Yeah, and look, this is going to take, maybe a couple of generations to get real oh, yeah. visible change. Yeah. But you know, I've always, I keep saying, we've just, I'm, I'm ready. Roll up our sleeves and just get started. You know, it, you have to start somewhere. This is the baseline. Yeah. Let's just go, let's go. And, and I think
0: it's also fortunate that, you know, the future of work, you have been talking about it for a while. It's here now, right? Yeah. People are working remote. Um, some jobs that have gone away are, are not going to return right? We're, we've got artificial intelligence. We've got a lot of ways we can automate out of some roles and out of some jobs. So the jobs that are going to grow in the future are writing software, mm-hmm. are doing, you know, data engineering, moving data around, right? Cleaning data, sanitizing data, things that machines just can't do yet well. Um, or like I said, just writing novel solutions for things. That's always going to be a problem. And so it is interesting that there's an opportunity, I think, to get more people into these roles um, because it doesn't take a lot of, like, from my standpoint, I can teach someone you know HTML, CSS, and JavaScript fairly quickly. Yeah. I can't teach the soft skills as quickly, right? That takes some time. That takes some maturity. Um, it takes, you know, every day, coming in, getting some practice. But I feel like, you know, a pattern like apprenticeship might give someone, you know, a year to work on some of those skills while they're working on developing the other ones. So.
1: I think it's an interesting time, right? It is. And I think um, it is critical that people, leaders take that. Those, you know, I understand it's going to be hard. There's going to be some people in organizations really, truly passionate about this and really saying it's the time I, I, I need to do something. But their colleagues, even in their peer group, are a bit more reticent. So the colleagues do it. Yeah. Do it because I'm telling you, people will remember you. They won't remember your colleagues. And it's like I say, you know, you can have, you can take a company public. You can build the shiniest, greatest office with your, with your foosball tables and your free pizza and you bring your pets to work. When that guy is 70 or 80 or that woman, they're not going to remember that. They're going to remember how that company made me feel when I yeah. walked through that door. And, and and that's what you need to build for. Yeah.
0: You have because, to have those values. Yeah. If, if your company doesn't have values and instead it, it has those shiny things, yeah. yeah, you're not going to be able to keep them. Yeah. You know, you, you keep people, like you said, by creating those, those lasting memories, those relationships. People feel like they have some value in the work that they're doing and it, 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 that, all
1: that stuff wears off really quickly when <laughs> it's the shiny yeah. office. Yeah. So, yeah, I, When I worked in Russia, the, the law firm, US law firm, it had three-course meal every day and that was great but you know what i started going out after a while because it was like you know the menu's a little bit the same same yeah Yeah. and it's it's fair enough it's nice it's free uh but i I, want to get out of the office (laughs) i used to have the canteen calling me up kevin is there something wrong with the food no 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 i just i I wanted something different and then in the end like other people in the office started coming out and what was what they're finding was actually people less time at their desks you don't spend the hour In your lunch break, when you're eating in the canteen, you eat, go back to your desk, continue working away. Uh, So, great perk, um, but no, it's all right. I need that hour away. I need to shut down, get out, refresh, come back, revitalise. Not shovel it all down and get back to your desk to start billing a client again. That's not right. (laughs) That burns me out. That's the that's the secret, right? That's the breakfast secret. Is
0: like if we just give them breakfast in the morning, they'll arrive earlier because they don't want to miss the bacon. <laughs> yeah. yeah that is so, it. <laughs> if you come late, there's no more
1: bacon. So you better
0: yeah. be early. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or the occasional omelette stand that always amazes me in America. The cues yeah. for omelette stands. Yeah, absolutely.
0: This has been fantastic. I know we ran a little over, it, but that's fine. Awesome content. Um, thanks again for coming on the program, Kevin. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, Mike. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash stcs.io.